right. Thanks, Scott Shannon. Happy Friday. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. Toll free. Our number is 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Well, that didn't take long. Remember, we saw Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. They were out there. They were praising the Capitol Police after what happened on January 6th. Looking at this report, CNN News, the epidemic of Pelosi's you know, newfound respect for law enforcement, because remember, Democrats were silent during the rioting, the looting, the arson, the the chop chaz autonomous summer of love spaghetti potluck dinner zones taking over police precincts. Kamala Harris raising money for rioters, you know, after they burn a police precinct to the ground and and rioting that took place. Let's see, we had over, what, 2,500 cops injured, uh, pelted with Molotov cocktails and bricks and rocks and frozen water bottles and sticks. And then, yeah, some knives and guns, too. Um, And then Democrats were silent, even out there raising money for for bail to get people out of jail. Anyway, what happens on January 6th? Well, now we're going to praise the police. Well, it looks like it's already reached its expiration date. CNS News, the epidemic of police brutality continues and more police killings occurring last year, Pelosi claiming just yesterday. Even though the number of blacks and Hispanics killed by police shootings declined in 2019, communities of color are vulnerable groups disproportionately bearing the brunt of this cruelty. We must act decisively and urgently to end the injustice. Data analysis uh, show that you know, the number of uh, African-Americans shot to death by police fell from 235 to 226. The number of Hispanics fatally shot dipped from 158 to 156, statistically the same. Too many, of course. Meanwhile, the number of white people killed by police gunfire jumped 16.7 percent from 370 2019 to 532 in 2020. What about all the could we nobody ever talks about the cops that are killed every year? Are there bad cops? Yep, there are. And when we find them, they are hurting every good cop that goes out, does their job, protects and serves and puts their lives on the line every day. But if you're not if you're only going to call certain instant call out certain instances of violence and not others, you're not exactly sending a consistent message. And all this talk of defunding the police and doing nothing and Kamala Harris supporting the LAPD cuts and defunding efforts there, just like Minnesota, uh, that doesn't send a a reassuring message to the men and women in law enforcement. A billion-dollar cut to the NYPD? Shocking. Their crimes spiking through the roof this past year. Does that surprise anybody? Doesn't surprise me. Anyway, a lot to get to today. Um, the It is breathtaking hypocrisy when you start comparing the treatment of Kavanaugh versus Cuomo in terms of allegations of sexual assault, inappropriate behavior, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, where are all the I believers or as I call them, the I believer caucus? They're all quiet. And Cuomo himself was part of the I believer caucus. Some interesting things going on um, in terms of it looks like the Republican Party has and and I'm talking about, look, you got every party is a coalition party. Let's be honest here. And you look at the Democratic Party, you have 
you have varying constituencies that unite together, form a party with basic fundamental agreement on most issues, not all issues. The same thing can be said about the Republican Party. You you have the more conservative wing of the Republican Party. I'm not even a Republican. I can't be a Republican. In good conscience, I can't be a Republican. Republican Party, frankly, they, they lost me a long time ago. Look at the way they handled Obamacare. Look at their lack. You know, they've only put on show votes to repeal and replace. I can't take the phoniness. I can't take all talk, no action. I can't take the fact that they can't even communicate a simple message. I can't take the fact that when they finally had the opportunity and really had a chance to repeal and replace Obamacare, they didn't even have a plan ready. I can't take that Republican senators that two years uh, prior to 2017 and the vote they took for a straight repeal of Obamacare, seven senators have voted for that bill that were Republican. Well, then voted against it when it really counted and would have mattered. It's it's too frustrating to me. And so I just I just try to be my independent conservative self. But this battle, this conflict, this coalition, you know, to one extent or another is is always in play and always seemingly in conflict. We saw it during impeachment. I don't ever expect the likes of Liz Cheney, Mitt Romney, Ben Sass, the jackass uh pat toomey and company to ever like or understand donald trump and and frankly i i don't even have a problem if republicans don't like donald trump's style i don't really care if you like his style or not i i think a lot of people feign phony manufactured outrage i don't know maybe it's because i grew up in new york i just don't get offended that easily i don't wilt i don't I don't melt. I I'm called every name in the book. I'm attacked every single solitary day. And frankly, I, I'm a little surprised that many of my colleagues in media, they get hit. And they're like, it's it's they can't take it. And I'm like, well, you're in the wrong business. If you're going to be a public figure, this is what you sign up for. I understand it. The only hard part is, is when, well, you know, some of my friends sometimes they uh, they get tainted by being friends with me, and I'm sorry for that, but it's part of, you know, if you want to be my friend, it comes with the territory, right, Linda? That's kind of a true story 100%. Um, in many ways. But uh, listen, I chose this life. I give strong opinions every day. I don't hold back. I am not offended by Donald Trump's style. You might want me to say that, but I'm not. I hate to tell you, I don't think any of these media people are as offended as they act either. They try to feign outrage every single second of every day. Donald Trump said a curse word. Did you hear the president cursed as if they've never said these words or heard these words themselves? I don't believe that. I don't believe they're that outraged either. Anyway, so we've been watching this this battle go on and, and more recently with the impeachment effort and. Uh, Mitch McConnell was on with Brett Baer last night uh, on his TV program, and he was asked a lot of questions about Donald Trump and uh, said that he absolutely would support former President Donald Trump if he's the GOP presidential nominee in 2024. Look, I'd argue I think it's a pretty straightforward thing that if Donald Trump chooses to run again, he would, Mitt Romney even acknowledged, likely easily win the nomination. And I can see that happening. 
Um, so anyway, and then but he'd been very critical about the president and January 6th and, and so on and so forth. My uh, my bet is he probably behind the scenes realized that uh, if the choice came down to Mitch McConnell or Donald Trump's Republican Party, that 90 percent of Republicans would go with Donald Trump. You know, what's and by the way, to Mike Pence's credit, he debunked any claim that there's bad blood between himself and Donald Trump, as I know the the mob would like to suggest. And he spoke highly of the president during a meeting meeting earlier this week with Republican lawmakers. Uh, He was quoted by Congressman Jim Banks of the meeting. He spoke very favorably about his relationship with the president. And I got the sense they speak often and maintain the same personal friendship relationship now that they have for four years. I thought that was a tough moment. I think I have a better understanding now um, that there there were some lawyers. I, I, I kind of agreed with the great one, Levin, constitutional scholar extraordinaire, that the role of the vice president was ceremonial uh, versus having any ability to do, I think, what the president's law, some of the president's lawyers might have been telling him. I don't, I don't know the story. I'm speculating here. And I think, you know, Reagan one time said, you know, the 11th commandment, thou shalt not attack other Republicans. Okay, we know that's never going to happen. But there was a, well, if you're 80% of the time we agree, then we can agree 80% of the time you're not really my enemy. I think that's more realistic because I don't expect these. I think, you know, there there are Republican senators. You notice you never see them on TV. You never hear from them. And it makes me wonder, why do they want to go to Washington anyway if they're not going to boldly go out and fight hard for the things that they tell the people back home that they believe so strongly in? That, that, that amazes me. I mean, we've opened up our airwaves radio show our tv show and we're we're welcome to let them talk and we want to hear their views to me because i'm watching cpac and i know there's a lot of anticipation about what the president would do i would not expect the president's going to announce he's running in 2024 that's my guess i don't know for sure that would be my guess my best guess um i would imagine that the president will probably talk about issues I don't think he's going to spend a whole lot of time talking about the past election. He probably will talk about, well, the need for, let's see, voter ID. Uh, I do have good news on that front. Georgia State Senate passed uh, a voter ID law to tighten their election security. And by the way, uh, that's important. That would include, yes, mail-in voting. I hope they get the signature verification aspect of that uh, correct as well. Uh, I hope that conservatives, they have this effort to kill H.R. 1 that I've been telling you all about. And, you know, so there's a lot of good things that can happen here. But at the end of the day, I've been explaining as simply as I can what it means to me, what this movement, America First, Make America Great Again, should be about. And it's not complicated. And I think that every politician should be able to articulate this in less than a minute. And that is we believe in freedom and liberty, less government. We believe in lower taxes, less bureaucracy on businesses to create a good business climate. We believe on constitutional judges. We believe in law and order and people should be safe and secure in their home or city wherever they live. We believe in school choice. We believe we should stop being beholden to teachers unions. 
We believe in secure borders, uh, a sensible immigration system where we have checks and balances. We believe in energy independence, all the above. Um, These are not complicated issues. We believe in the First Amendment. We believe in the Second Amendment. We believe in constitutionalists on the bench. We believe in peace through strength, the meanest, toughest military on the face of the earth with the most advanced weaponry available. And we want free and fair trade deals. Linda, did I forget anything? Because I did it in a minute. No, I don't think so. It's pretty simple. I'm not that complicated. And if the Republican Party would focus on that, every Republican then guess what? The country would be better off. Problem is, that's we don't need why a two-party system, boss. That's What's the problem. That? We don't need a two-party system. Yeah, look, look, we need an issue-based I... system because then everybody would pay attention to what you just said because what you said was on point. That's all that matters. I, you know, it's funny. We had the terrible passing of, of Rush. Um, we all miss him. And, you know, one thing he's always said, I haven't changed, he would say. I haven't changed either. You know, have I made, is there nuanced changes? Yeah, I think I can argue I've become a lot more libertarian. I'm like, I don't want to hear any of these other issues. I don't care. My, my agenda is what I just described. That's it. Because I think it works for the American people. It leads to American greatness, and it, and it creates the free environment where which people's God-given talents, natural rights can be brought into fruition. That's why I'm a conservative. Not complicated. So there's my answer to everybody. You're establishment Republican, Trump Republican, Reagan Republican. I don't care who you are. Fight for that agenda. I believe her to testify in the United States Senate against someone who's being nominated to one of the most powerful positions in the United States government. That takes an extraordinary amount of courage. I found her very credible. You have to ask yourself, why would anybody put themselves through this if they did not believe that they had important information. We're here to show our solidarity. We're here to show our respect for all women who have a case. When we talk about process and due process and justice, it, ne- it must center on the victim. I just want to say to the men of this country, just shut up and step up. Do the right thing. There is a disrespect for women that this administration chronically uh, exemplifies. After the Me Too movement, they did absolutely nothing when it came to sexual harassment. Uh, They have always diminished the charges of women. Always, consistently. And they're doing it again. To cheapen or ridicule the pain a woman suffers from a sexual attack uh, is disgusting, sexist and disgusting. Uh, To second guess how a woman should have acted after a sexual attack is sexist and disgusting. Uh, I mean, it's just insensitive. You don't understand the pain. You don't understand how the system tortures a person who wants to come forward. All right, we'll have more on the other side. The double standard in full detail straight ahead as we continue. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. So they're going to have at some point tonight, It's it'll be anticlimactic in my view. That is, they're going to spend... 
through waste, fraud, abuse, $1.9 trillion. $1.9 trillion of your money through the House of Representatives. You might say, well, Hannity, there are people that have, have needs after COVID. I agree. And I've supported helping people through no fault of their own. Their businesses shut down. Uh, you can blame a lot of these Democratic governors for the draconian shutdown efforts. Wow, they didn't shut down Florida, and they did a hell of a lot better protecting the old, older generation down there than they did in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and California. Shut down. They, 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 they did it right. Now, we all were hit with the worst pandemic since 1917 and 18. Thank goodness there are three vaccines of these Democratic governors can ever finally figure out a system to fairly and quickly distribute the vaccine. We have the vaccines. Just get them in people's arms. Not Linda's arm, though. They come near Linda with one of those with one of those vaccines. God help you. She's I, I, I'm warning you all in advance. <laughs> Why? I'm a, you, you don't mind saying that you're you, you're against the vaccine. I'm not 100 percent. I don't think get, that when anybody my should... called. I'm getting it. I'm sorry. What did you say? But my number's called. I'm going to get it. Yeah, I know. You're neurotic. You think that you have to get it. You think that it's going to help something. They won't know what's in this thing. I believe in the science. I do. Oh, you believe in the science? Like Joe Biden, like Kamala Harris? You believe in the science? The science is changing every day, depending on the Uh, politics. Yeah, like Joe had to be reminded to put his mask. He just goes, and wear the darn mask. Then he walks away, goes, shakes people's hands without his mask on. (laughs) Listen, we got Dr. Fauci, who's more concerned about his next role as either playing De Niro or Pacino and talking to Cuomo. We got Biden, who doesn't know what day it is. And then we've got a vaccine that was rolled out. There's four different versions of it. They have no idea what it treats no thank you there's all kinds of mrna problems in it this is my advice to people so we be very clear consult consult with your doctor read on your own you know there's so much material out there available if you want to read read the websites of the vaccine producers find the one that you think is best talk it over with your doctor your health care provider whoever you want to talk to whoever you 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 trust but i don't think that people should be vaccine shamed you know my thing is if you want to take the vaccine because you think this is what's right for you by all means not right, yourself I'm, no, out. I'm against men i'm against any man are you kidding me but that's what's we, happening no i'm against well it happened we talked about that case in new york i'm against mandatory vaccinations i think people have to make their own choices look look it's funny because i have half my friends agree with me and another half of my friends think i'm crazy but they think i'm crazy that i get a flu shot every year and i'm like i don't care that you you choose not to get the flu shot but i don't get the flu ever now i know the statistics usually the flu it's it's a bit of a guessing game which version of the flu we're going to end up having having and maybe it's a 40 percent chance that it's the the right vaccine I'm, I'm okay with all of that and i'm okay if i get the flu i'll tell you when the new york times had the little click here and you find out what number you are to to get the vaccine i'm i'm at like the bottom of the list uh 268 million i so that means i 268 million americans need to get the vaccine or are eligible for it before me and I'm not going to take it one day sooner than when I am legally eligible to get it. And that's it. I want to I don't deserve it over health care providers at all. Or but first here's, the, here's the argument. And this is the this is the elephant in the room that no one's talking about. Right. 
So hydroxychloroquine is now being discussed as being, you know, something that we can use in early treatment and it's successful. Now all of a sudden we're allowed to talk about it. Okay, fine. But we're not allowed to talk about what is happening to all of these different people that are taking the vaccine and having these very terrible, lifelong, debilitating reactions, some of whom had died. And I think that that bears repeating. Listen, I will tell you that I think Dr. Oz said it best. And there was a lot the experts got wrong and the models were all wrong and we were told the wrong thing. The only thing that stayed consistent, if you were older, if you had pre-existing conditions, weakened immune systems, comorbidities, the odds were much, much greater that you would would be impacted harshly by this virus. It is it was deadly to people in that category. Those people need the vaccine first. If they want it, they should get it. It should have been given to them by now anyway, especially older people, especially those with compromised immune systems. We, you know, th- th- we have a system where we can get this done right and where it's getting screwed up as usual are these blue state governors that can't get, you know, the day of the week straight for crying out loud. We also and have a president th- who said we didn't have a vaccine and then we have him on camera no, a month before have- getting it. Yeah, he, he said that you're right. He said we didn't we don't have a vaccine. Meanwhile, Donald Trump gave him three. We have three versions now. Um, anyway, uh, let me move on here. Look, it's so as part of this covid-19 relief package, you would think, OK, well, well people that need help are going to get the help. It's going to go to to getting vaccines in people's arms faster that that want them and need them desperately. OK, that would be good. Uh, it's going to help out hospitals that have been overwhelmed, PPE that they might need, whatever it is. OK, great. Uh, owners of business through no fault of their own that have had to lay off employees. OK, yes, we got to help those people. People laid off. Yeah, they, they they're increasing the amount of the the unemployment benefits to just get them through this hard time. Hopefully open up sooner than later. I'm, I'm hoping that the Johns Hopkins official that predicted we should have herd immunity sometime in April, late April, is right. I don't know if he is. I can't quote anybody being right because all the predictions seem to always be wrong. But the bottom line is they're going to spend $2 trillion. And uh, only 9% of that money is going towards fighting COVID-19 and relief. That's it. When you look at this bill that Democrats are passing, $700 billion of the one9 trillion dollars won't even be spent for years well how do you define that in any way as covid relief emergency covid relief some of this money is not going to be spent until after 2022 billions of this money won't be spent until after 2024 that's not emergency covid relief and the bulk of the bill has not a single thing to do with getting money into the hands of our fellow Americans that desperately need it and frankly deserve it. And Joe Biden is just totally clueless. He actually said yesterday, I went through this in great detail on TV last night, well, tell me what I should cut. I said, okay, I'll tell you. Nobody else will. You can start with the $350 billion bailouts for irresponsible states and local governments, money that that they're going to use for their budget deficits. Because they never balance their budgets. They have the highest tax states. They raise taxes constantly. They're looking for a, for a handout from voters in red states who elect fiscally responsible governors and state legislators. 
Now, in other words, they're taking money from states like Texas and Florida and Tennessee and Alabama, Mississippi. I'm not, I don't want to forget a state. All the red ones. You can cut $112 million in for the tunnel in Silicon Valley that goes just outside of Nancy Pelosi's district in her home state. You can also cut the $1.5 billion, Joe, for the Seaway International Bridge, which would connect Canada to New York. I don't see that as COVID emergency relief money at all. You can cut the $40 billion for colleges and universities that actually remained open, collecting tuition the entire time. They don't deserve the bailout either. If they were collecting tuition, the $750 million for global health, are you kidding me? We'll get with, with budget deficits that I don't, I don't even see how we'll ever pay this money back. Now we're going to give money for health care for people in other countries on top of the money that Joe and Kamala Harris and the Socialist Democrats are promising for health care dollars spent for illegal immigrants that don't respect our laws, our sovereignty, our borders. or the, They're spending $500 million in a COVID emergency relief bill for museums, for libraries, the National Humanities for, of the Arts, and, 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 and Endowment for the Arts, and Endowment for the Humanities. Are you, are you kidding me? But what the, Cut there. You want to know where to cut? Cut there. You know, I, I failed to see how a billion dollars. Why are we spending money on the COVID emergency relief for an equity commission uh, and other assistance to advance racial justice in farming? What does that have to do with emergency COVID relief? It's a wish list for the radical left. They tried to insert even the $15 minimum wage in the bill. You know, and it's not just the pork and the payouts. You know, this it's every other socialist wish list. CBO, by the way, says the $15 minimum wage is going to cost 1.4 million jobs. At a time we can't afford to lose any jobs. By the way, the parliamentarian ruled that the minimum wage increase must be stripped from the bill. It's unbelievable. You know, we're just playing Cuomo the other side. We'll get into this in more detail later in the program with Joe Concha. But, you know, it's what's fascinating about, you know, Cuomo was the he had an 87 percent approval rating. His team, they built these these PowerPoints every day and great authority and assuredness. He'd go out there. And, and he would give the PowerPoint. Why can't Trump do that? He's showing empathy. He cares. Okay. Well, it was Donald Trump that built his hospitals, manned his hospitals, converted his hospitals to COVID-19 capability, provided every mask, every shield, every ventilator, every gown, every set of gloves. And they still left 80% of the beds empty in New York. And ignored basically the entire Navy ship uh, that was sent, also manned, and all the PPE you'd ever need. They didn't. They didn't send people there. No, they sent them back to nursing homes, and then they covered it up. Then you find out, oh, we had a healthcare task force that said you're going to need fifteen thousand seven hundred eighty-three ventilators when when that moment comes. Not if, when it comes. Meaning a pandemic. I mean, now he's being accused of sexual harassment, unwanted touching, kissing, other acts of sexual harassment. Now, I'm, I'm going to be consistent as I always am. I don't rush to judgment. We believe in due process, the presumption of innocence. I do. 
and I'll, I'm going to remain consistent. You know, we have now another former staffer accusing Cuomo of, of implementing a 1950s-style sexist workplace. We just played him earlier. I'll play him later in the program. Now, he's denying the allegations. They're serious charges where we don't rush to judgment. We believe in due process. I know some of you would like me to jump all over them and do to them what they did to Kavanaugh. I'm not going to do it because it's the wrong thing to do. And during the Kavanaugh witch hunt, Cuomo released a statement, quote, to Dr. Christine Blasey Ford and all survivors of sexual assault. We believe you. We will fight for you. Well, is that same standard? Is he going to apply it to himself? And the, and the women accusing him now of, this impropri- of these improprieties? Cuomo demanded Kavanaugh take a lie detector test. Okay, is he going to apply that same standard to himself? I mean, where are all the I-believers? Where are they? All the I-believers, the I-believer caucus. Where are all of those people? In other words, they're silent why are they silent? Because it's not the issue that, that, that they're passionate about. It's the politics of the issue and the, the weaponization and, and the use of bludgeoning political opponents by using the issue, which frankly doesn't help the issue because there are real victims that, does, that, that should be believed and heard and, and predators taken off the streets or wherever positions of power they have. Those people do exist, but it doesn't help when you turn it into a political weapon. It doesn't help the people. You know, it's at, the, at that point, how does anyone have any confidence in, in your ability to be fair and, and even-handed on an important issue like this? A serious accusation. Perhaps the biggest I believer of all was Kamala Harris. Praise to, you know, the, the courage of Kavanaugh's accusers. Well, she's not saying anything about Cuomo's accusers. I mean, does that sound like typical swamp sewer politics to you? Because it does to me. That's what it sounds like to me, because that's really what it is. All right. 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program? You know, um, we're going to do a crazy segment later in the program. Stick with me, though. Some renewed scrutiny that some children are being separated from their parents at the border. It is a policy the Trump administration has defended. President Trump tweeted about one of his favorite topics this morning, immigration. This, as his policies are facing major criticism, writing in part, quote, Dems must agree to wall and new border protection for good of country. Bipartisan bill, exclamation point. The president has been taking serious heat for his immigration policies recently, particularly his policy of separating families in detention. There's actually a new policy from the administration right now to separate families. These are families who made the courageous decision, uh, a hard decision, to leave behind everything that they had, their families, their communities, their belongings, out of fear to come to the United States. It's the same facility that was open for a month in the Trump administration, summer 2019. That is when Joe Biden said, under Trump, there have been horrifying scenes at the border of kids being kept in cages. And Kamala Harris said, uh, basically, babies in cages is a human rights abuse being committed by the United States government. So how is this any different than that? We very much feel that way. It's not under Trump, it's under Biden. This is not 
kids being kept in cages. This is this is kids. This is a facility that was opened that's going to follow the same standards as other HHS facilities. It is not a replication, certainly not. That's that is never our intention of replicating the immigration policies of the past administration. People who enter the United States without our permission are illegal aliens, and illegal aliens should not be treated the same as people who entered the U.S. legally. The president's decision to end DACA was heartless and it was brainless. Hundreds, hundreds of thousands of families will be ripped apart. And the argument there, Mr. President, is Americans don't want to do the work. We just can't find American workers to do the work. Mr. President, that is a crock in many instances. It's just not true. In my view, Trump's decision to end the DACA program for some 800,000 young people is the cruelest and most ugly presidential act in the modern history of this country. We've got to do several things, and I am, you know, adamantly against illegal immigrants. People have to stop employing illegal immigrants. My proposal will keep families together, and it will include a path to citizenship. Uh, we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked, and circumventing the line of people who are waiting patiently, diligently, and lawfully uh, to become immigrants. Real reform means establishing a responsible pathway to earn citizenship. All right, there it is, Democrats flipping and flopping and flailing and doing everything that you would expect them to do uh, as it relates to the issue of immigration. Everybody loved a wall until uh, Donald Trump said he's going to build one. Then all of a sudden, no, no, we, we can't we can't support a wall. Look at these kids, Donald Trump, put kids in cages. Well, it turns out the cages and the kids in the cages and the images of the kids in the cages was from 2014, even though they played it in 2018 and said, look what Donald Trump did. He put kids in cages. Now we just put them in cargo containers, shipping containers with uh, tiny windows with bars on them. Well, they, well, we put butterflies on the wall, pictures of butterflies. Therefore, it's it's humanitarian effort. I mean, it is just such such rampant, you know, hypo rank hypocrisy at a level that just shouldn't happen and be accepted in this country. That is what we deal with now. We have a crisis of information, institutional crisis with big tech and that what they censor and news they won't give you. Then the media mob just outright lies every minute, every second, every hour of every day. Uh, and spreads conspiracy theories and their hoaxes and their breathtaking double standard. Russian interference matters, but not Hillary's dirty Russian disinformation dossier. Quid pro quos matter, but not Joe's quid pro quo. And it goes on from there. You know, there's a study out that shows that, yeah, amnesty is going to cost this country hundreds of billions of dollars. That's a report that just came out. Well, let's see. Four days ago entitled, yep, amnesty would cost the Social Security, Medicare trust funds hundreds of billions of dollars. This is the Center for Immigration Studies Analysis. Okay, let's just say it's only a couple of hundred billion dollars. Can't exactly afford it. Top of the $1.9 billion 
uh, Pelosi uh, payback and Schumer payback bill. Nine percent of the monies go for covid relief. You know, most of the monies are earmarked for 2022, 2023, 2024. How does building a bridge or a tunnel in Schumer's uh, home state and Pelosi's home state? How does that help with emergency covid relief? It doesn't. There's your answer. Anyway, Mark. Kerkorian is with us, Executive Director, Policy Studies, Center for Immigration Studies. Jessica Vaughn is the Director of Policy Studies for the Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, All right, Jessica, we'll start with you. This is your study, your forecast. How accurate do you believe that number is? Hundreds of billions of dollars. Well, I I believe that it's an... it is a conservative estimate of the total cost. It's not a complete estimate. It is accurate, though. It was uh, done by my colleague, Jason Richwine, uh, and it looks at only one part of what the cost would be of um, a massive amnesty for all illegal aliens living here. And the reason it's only a partial estimate is because it doesn't include the cost of other forms of federally funded welfare and an even larger cost to state and local taxpayers for things like um, local housing assistance programs, Medicaid, schools, criminal justice costs, and all manner of other costs. I mean, most of the costs of uh, amnesties um, are at the state and local level um, because that's where the services are provided. But yeah, and the ma- amnesty that Biden is talking about is massive. Um, you know, all illegal aliens who are already here or claim to have been here by January 1st and their spouses and children who may be abroad, and not to mention the other provisions that bring in uh, people, millions of people who are on the waiting list for green cards. I mean, it's an avalanche of new immigration that they're talking about with this bill. And, you know, no, you know, no illegal alien left behind, essentially. You know, and I look at this, Mark, and I'm thinking about, all right, if I worked in the energy sector and now a high paying career jobs, which I've been so <laughs> angry about, you know, with the stroke of a pen, just executive fiat, we'll just dismiss it. We'll get rid of it. We won't have it. And I'm thinking about this. All right. So we have how many millions and millions of Americans through no fault of their own that are out of work? How many businesses have shut down as a result of these draconian covid shutdown measures and especially blue states? Uh, they're going to be looking in the job market. They want to get back to work. Then you have, what, 11 to 15 million illegal immigrants and more coming every single day. Uh, Add that to the list of job seekers that are going to be out there. Uh, Then we're going to add all the people that had high paying career union jobs in the energy sector. They're not going to get new energy, uh, new high paying career jobs back that quickly. And so what is it going to do? It's going to drive down wages for Americans that are here and it's it's artificially deflating benefits and and money that would otherwise be given to hardworking Americans. Yeah, I mean, there's no question about it. In fact, um, my the joke I make on Twitter all the time whenever there's a report about uh, the number of people who are jobless or the number of people who have just dropped out of the job market aren't even looking for work. My joke on those is always solution more immigration, because for the open borders folks, the answer is always increased numbers, more immigration, whether that means more illegal immigration, whether it means more guest workers, whether it means more green cards, it almost doesn't matter. It's just more and more and more people. Years ago, I tried to put together a report where I let people on all sides of the debate 
write short essays about what they really wanted. Uh, in other words, in legal immigration, what was their goal? And I couldn't get the top people on the other side to even put down in black and white what they wanted. But, you know, it would have worked because the pro-immigration people, their policy is one word, more. It doesn't matter more of what, just more. More illegal aliens, more green cards, more guest workers, regardless. All right, quick break. More on this immigration debate on the other side. Mark Krikorian, Jessica Vaughn, 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program. All right, as we continue, the issue of immigration front and center. Why did Democrats want amnesty within three years? Well, that's 11 million more people that will be thankful to the Democrats and maybe vote Democratic. Anyway, Mark Krikorian is with us. Jessica Vaughn continues with us. So the total number of unemployed Americans now are around. We have 17 million Americans remaining jobless latest numbers now we're getting rid of the energy sector jobs on top of it they're promising though other great union jobs down the road sometime in the future i don't know when so how people feed their families pay the rent mortgage car truck payment uh and save for a rainy day is going to be next to impossible so if that if it's that many people and your study is correct that this is going to cost hundreds of billions of dollars how come nobody ever talks about the cost, Jessica? Why is it that it's like, oh, excuse me, um, you know, how much is this going to cost? Because if we're going to have immigration in this country, and I believe in legal immigration, but I believe that people ought to have background checks so that we make sure they don't have radical associations. I think now, as a result of COVID, I think people should get a health check before entering the country. Uh, thirdly, I think people need to show that they're going to be able to be capable of taking care of themselves and their loved ones if they come here and shouldn't be relying on the generosity of American taxpayers to take care of them if we allow them into the country, considering the whole world would come here if we opened up the uh, opened up the floodgates of immigration. So I think those are simple requests. I also believe in merit-based immigration. Right. And, and there are people want to have, Americans want to have a generous legal immigration system as long as it doesn't disadvantage any Americans or uh, compromise national security or depress wages or displace Americans who need jobs. The United States has the most generous legal immigration system in the world. But, you know, like it or not, agree or disagree with certain aspects of it, we do have a legal system the reason that proponents of more and more migration want to avoid any discussion of the cost is that they would like people to believe that legal immigration is a free lunch, that, you know, that all people who come here from abroad are going to contribute to our economy. And the argument they use is that they make the economy bigger, which is true. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone is better off as a result, especially if the legal immigrants that we are getting lack the education and skills to be self-sufficient in our, gov- in our system, which does have generous welfare benefits as well. So it's not because there's anything wrong with immigrants who are poor. It's just that they are bound to impose a net deficit uh, on our economy and, you know, are not going to be working in jobs that enable them to, to pay more in taxes than they receive in welfare benefits. But that's, you know, when you have a legal immigration system, as we do, that is primarily based on chain migration, that's what we get. And that's why we have numerical limits. 
But uh, the left doesn't want to admit that because they've realized that more and more immigration enhances their ability to to take control of of governments. At they the think this allows them level. to get votes long term. They are basically giving people something of great value, American citizenship in the exchange, in the hope that they will be you know, forever grateful to the Democratic Party for granting them citizenship, and they will forever vote Democrat. Now, you have some Republicans, frankly, going to be blunt here, that have for years wanted cheap labor. Bottom line, that's it. They didn't care about any anything else. And unfortunately, that's that's not how our system should work. Americans do deserve a living wage, but you can't artificially create competition that otherwise wouldn't exist by keeping an open borders policy, Mark Gregorian. Uh, yeah, I mean, no question about it. Now, you know, some things, uh, if the labor gets too expensive, some, you know, employers will say, well, we'll just import stuff like, you know, some fruits and vegetables. And, you know, that's OK if we can't do it here with first world wages, even with machinery, then I'm okay with importing avocados, but most things don't work that way. And certainly not service sector jobs, whether they're high or low skilled. And so what immigration represents, or or let me put it this way, the reason the high immigration folks push high immigration, essentially unlimited immigration is what they want. They want to decide how many they bring in, not not the American people decide, is not, it's, it's a whole mix of things. It's votes, it's cheap labor, but it's also this sort of uh, virtuous feeling that they're doing humanitarian work by letting people who want to come here, come here. And, you know, that's true both on the right and the left among the high immigration folks. And what they're forgetting is that the reason we have government policy and the reason we have a, the, federal, the federal program called immigration is for the benefit of the people who are already here. That needs to be the first concern when we think about immigration policy. All right. Uh, I appreciate both of you for being here. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Thanks for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Now, we watched what happened in Texas. Now, I know it was a one-in-a-hundred-year storm, right? Okay. I can understand people weren't prepared Um, I certainly didn't like the stories we're hearing about windmills, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, I was a little bit surprised considering all the the energy, natural resources that Texas has. Now, let, let me just remind you, let me play for you some of the news reports on how, as a result of this storm, how electric prices are now surging all over the great state of Texas. This is important. I'm, I'm getting to a larger point here. Listen. All right, we're moving on from the Texas power outage to the Texas power outrage. Electricity supply, the orange line, and demand, the green line, has finally stabilized. But boy, wholesale prices for electricity in Texas got really nuts over the past several days. At one point, one megawatt went from $50 to about $9,000. Now, that doesn't affect you, the retail customer, as long as you're on a fixed rate plan, which most people are. But if you 
you're on one of these variable or indexed plans, your rate and therefore your bill can shoot straight up. During this winter storm, his electric bill for three meters climbed to more than 17,000 bucks. It usually hovers around 600 a month. How in the world can anyone pay that? Meantime, hundreds of you who did lose power tell me you're worried about your bills too. Encore confirmed an outage at Kim Humphrey's house. It got so cold, she slept in her car with her pets for heat. Yet her energy company said during that same time, her usage was spiking. We're told if you got a message like that from any power company, it's part of an automated forecasting system and you will not be billed. So as a result of all of this, that's just part of it. Then we heard about these freezing windmills and wind turbines and solar panels. Well, that represents about 25% of the electricity generated and available to the people in Texas. That's, that's fully one quarter of their energy supplies. Then you add to that the once in a hundred year storm is what they're calling it. And you have natural gas pipelines that froze. You have other problems. And like we often read about California, about rolling blackouts. Listen to this report on how Texas windmills were frozen and that causing a lot of the power outages. By the way, people died. Some people were freezing to death. I mean, it's it was really tragic. Everything that happened there, which is why Biden should have made the whole state a natural disaster, declared the whole state a natural disaster area. Listen. The blackouts that are in Texas are being made worse by the failure of wind turbines, many freezing in the icy weather, cutting output in half. And it's raising questions about the Lone Star State's increasing reliance on renewable energy. Statewide here, there are 680 power generation plants, natural gas plants, wind turbine farms, um, you know, nuclear power plants, all types of things there. 70 to 80 of them, about 10 percent are physically offline right now, physically are not working. And that's because these power plants thought they were getting ready for the storm, made an effort to get ready for the storm, for the freezing weather, but they did not properly winterize their equipment. And their equipment has frozen in 70 to 80 different ones of these. And that's why we are seeing so many people without power. All right, so that's right out of Texas. Just straight news reporting here. And don't forget John Kerry. We only have nine years left to avert climate catastrophe. How much time do we still have left to avert climate catastrophe? Well, the scientists told us three years ago we had 12 years to avert the worst consequences of climate crisis. We are now three years gone, so we have nine years left. There is no room for BS anymore. There's no faking it on this one. All right, no faking on this one. All right, now why am I bringing all of this up? Because I don't think, we, we all know about the, the weapons of war. We all know about Hiroshima, Nagasaki. We know about nuclear weapons. We know about uh, ballistics. We know about weapon systems. We, we know all about that. But what about the possibility of weaponizing something that would, that's called an, it's called an, a, an EMP, if you will, like electric magnetic pulse is what it's called. It's an EMP threat is both nature and man, by the way, could probably cause this. If it happened today, this is how bad it would be. It could literally black out entire electric grids worldwide and put at risk the lives of, oh, millions, if not a billion people.
and I'm not overstating the fact. And the question, as and, and I've read and I've studied and I've watched this, in the back of my head, I've always thought this is a really, really big deal and a scary worst-case scenario. And in a world where we do have nuclear weapons, electromagnetic pulse problems could then, in and of themselves, cause havoc and death, the likes of which we're not imagining or prepared for. Anyway, Dr. Peter Pry, Dr. Kawa, both members of the Task Force on National and Homeland Security, nonprofit Congressional Advisory Board, and Dr. Pry is the executive director. Dr. Kawa is the director of the state of Florida, for the state of Florida. Anyway, so electronic magnetic pulse threats. How real, Dr. Peter Vincent Pry? Well, it's as real as the sun, because if we had an event, a once-in-a-hundred-year solar superstorm, like the 1859 Carrington event, uh, could black out electric grids all over the world and put billions of lives at risk. And it is, uh, and NASA estimates that uh, we're running out of time to prepare against that. The likelihood is 12% per decade, which virtually guarantees that within our lifetimes or at the latest out of our grandchildren, the world will experience one of these natural EMP events that can black out. Okay, now this is important because I look at it as a weapon of war, and we talk about it often as a weapon of war, but you're saying very clearly this could happen naturally. How would that happen? Right. Well, the sun, uh, solar storms happen every year. Uh, you know, they, what happens is the sun uh, throws out a coronal mass ejection. They come out of the sunspots. And, uh, you know, they travel millions of miles an hour, these great big blobs of superheated ionized plasma. But they don't reach the surface of the Earth because we are surrounded by a magnetosphere, a magnetic field. And the big blob of plasma will, will, will slide past the Earth, prevented from reaching the surface of the Earth by the magnetosphere. But in the process of that, it moves the magnetosphere around. And in Physics 101, a moving magnetic field will generate, make electrons move in a wire. And because you're dealing with planetary forces, these are so titanic that the energies generated are so powerful that it can melt transformers designed to carry 750,000 volts. That happened in 1989 during the the Hydro-Quebec storm. A 750,000-volt transformer in New Jersey, the Salem nuclear power plant, was melted in 90 seconds. And that wasn't a superstorm. That was kind of a run-of-the-mill storm that, that, that happened. We're concerned about the once-in-a-hundred-year storm, which is inevitably going to happen. And uh, that will cause not just electric grids, but all the critical infrastructures that sustain life. Once the electric grid goes down, you use telecommunications, transportation, even food and water. You know, will we'll sooner or later, well, immediately you lose water, and food will, will soon become scarce. We've only got enough food to feed 330 million people for 30 days. Dr. Conwell, let me go to you. Do you agree with that analysis? And again, this could happen. Is it more likely to be used as a weapon or is it more likely that this would happen naturally, in your view? There are two different ways that it can happen. One is through the the nuclear event created by a bad actor. Uh, The other is through a solar flare. Think of it as the sun simply burping. It actually happens a couple of times a day. Uh, July 23rd, 2012, there was one that headed towards the Earth and it was a near miss. Uh, it missed us by nine days. If, if it happened nine days later, we wouldn't be on the phone right now because we'd have no electricity. Uh, it happened in 1859. It was called the Carrington event. And this was before we were built on an electronic house of cards. And it completely fried the transatlantic cable, the only thing that was electronic at the time, 
they had to dig up the cable and lay it back down. If it happened today, I just want to emphasize this would not be a temporary event. It would be a permanent destruction of the electric grid. It's a shock to the system. Think of it as electrocuting the electric grid. It doesn't come back to life. The only way you'd ever have electricity again is if you rebuilt the uh, the infrastructure. You know, all right. Now, the good news is, and, and the, crazy, the crazy part of all of this is, I'm glad I don't have the expertise and the knowledge that both of you have, because I don't think I'd sleep. I already have problems with insomnia, but thank God there's MyPillow.com. But even still, I don't think I'd sleep at night knowing this. There is what's great about what all that you know is you also know that we can stop an EMP, electromagnetic pulse. We could stop it, and it wouldn't be all of that expensive. It wouldn't be cheap, but... I don't know how many billion dollars it would take, but it's within our ability to protect this from happening. How do you do that, uh, Dr. Peter Vincent Pry? Yes, we've known for since 1963 about how to protect against EMP when we first discovered the nuclear phenomena in 1962. And the Department of Defense has been t- protecting not all of its military forces, but a thin line of strategic command, controlled communications. The nuclear deterrent is, pr- is protected against DMP. Well, we do the best we can. And, uh, you know, there are blocking devices and surge arresters, Faraday cages that would be used to protect these things. The, uh, there's also non-nuclear EMP weapons, by the way, that can also be used to basically black out the electric grid. You don't need all, it can be done by the sun, by nuclear weapons, or by non-nuclear EMP weapons. The, um, uh, now it would cost, uh, the EMP commission, uh, estimated that it would cost about two to four billion dollars, which isn't much. I mean, to protect the national electric grid. Maybe twenty billion to protect all the national critical infrastructures. That's the good news. It's never been a problem. We understand how to do it. The technology is there. It's a question of political will, and um, you know the problem is the politics of EMP, and that was the problem in Texas too, by the way. Why Texas wasn't ready for that ice storm? You know because the utilities and the federal government. One of the things the EMP commission warned about is that. The current institutional arrangements are inadequate to provide for public safety, even against things like ice storms and wind stor- and, and high winds in California. The utilities and the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission are seem to be incapable of forcing the utilities, making the utilities do the right thing to protect the public interest, even against these commonplace well, this is threats. Now, it's interesting, too. I do know this. I know Biden, you know, we had all the executive fiats and executive orders and presidential directives um, removing many of Donald Trump's. But one of the most important ones he kept, and that was the March 26, 2019 executive order 13865, which Donald Trump signed and Joe Biden kept coordinating the resilience to electromagnetic pulses. And it called for a whole government activity led by the NS National Security Council to counter the man-made natural uh, existential EMP threat. Um, Now, let's talk specifically, Dr. Kawa, about that and what that means. I could just say this, that we definitely need to pursue that executive order. We need to make sure that that does not get suspended, rescinded, or revoked, and that we do continue to uh, to make every effort to protect our power grid and, and be preemptive. Uh, I wish that that was done more so 
previously that that has not happened yet. Uh, just to touch on one point, Peter brought up about the $2 billion cost of what it would take to execute that executive order, 13865. $2 billion is nothing in the overall scheme of things. If you look at the $1.9 trillion spending plan that we have out there right now, if every American were issued $1,400 times 328 million Americans, you're still at only half a trillion dollars. That means 75% of that uh, COVID relief plan does not go to Americans. So if we took 1% out of that 75% and, and dedicated that to protecting the electric grid, executive order 13865 would be fully executed in terms of protecting the electric grid. It would take uh, a few billion dollars more to protect our communication systems and, and other auxiliary systems. But if we're just talking about 13865, Yes, that is $2 billion, which is right. one. I, I wish I had more time. We'll, we'll revisit this from time to time because, number one, I find it fascinating. Your knowledge is is amazing. The threat is real, and um, it's an important topic. And for the money that you're right, we're talking about, we should be paying attention, in my humble opinion. Uh, this, is, this is not science fiction here. This is real deal. This can happen, and um, we should be better prepared, and we're not. Uh, thank you. 800-941-SEAN, our number. We'll get to a lot more of your calls. Uh, coming up, News Roundup, Information Overload. Joe Concha on the media mob hypocrisy. Coming up next, our final News Roundup and Information Overload Hour. All right, News Roundup, Information Overload Hour. 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. The most fascinating thing watching this New York impeach uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo uh, the recall in California, it's amazing. Democrats, especially in New York, are the ones leading the effort. It's not the Republicans. There really isn't any Republican Party, so to speak of. Not trying to insult state Republicans in New York State. And they're, look, Long Island, that went red this last election, as did upstate New York. When you have the five boroughs, starting with New York City, eight, nine million people, uh, yeah, you're starting out with a massive, huge liberal Democratic deficit. But the interesting thing, too, is you, you watch the media mob. We talk about big tech and how they wouldn't give you news and information that would that would have impacted, according to a poll, one in six Biden voters saying if they knew by Election Day the things that big tech companies were hiding from them, they wouldn't have voted from Biden. That's a that's a lot of votes. Take about, yeah, one in six. Biden voters, uh, you look at the double standard, the media mob, anything Donald Trump does, just horrible. Kids in cages, you know, we'll forget the idea that the kids in cages, the cages were actually built uh, by Joe Biden and Barack Obama. The video that they're showing about, quote, Trump's kids in cages actually came from the Biden-Obama years. Now we'll put kids in cargo uh, shipping containers that have tiny windows with bars on them, but will put butterfly pictures on the wall and say that they're living a kumbaya existence, and somehow that's fine. Nobody seems to care. Well, the same thing on these sexual harassment allegations against Governor Cuomo, which have come up. Now, I'm consistent, and the bottom line is I think people deserve the presumption of innocence. I believe in due process. I don't rush to judgment. Well, Hannity, you should treat... Cuomo, the way they treated Kavanaugh and the way they treated Clarence Thomas. Well, if I do that, then I'm like them. And the only reason we always end up being right on this program, like about Russia, like early in my career about Richard Jewell, 
uh, let's see, like UVA, like Duke Lacrosse, like Ferguson, like Freddie Gray in Baltimore, like the Cambridge Police. I can keep going. The reason we were right about the quid and pro and quo and the double standard is because we actually take our time and we do our own research and we wait till we find the truth. And then when we can verify what we're going to say, we say it and we don't rush to judgment. But they do listen to Democratic women. The I, I call it the I believer caucus in Congress believing the Kavanaugh accusers, I believe. I believe her to testify in the United States Senate against someone who is being nominated to one of the most powerful positions in the United States government. That takes an extraordinary amount of courage. I found her very credible. You have to ask yourself, why would anybody put themselves through this if they did not believe that they had important information? We're here to show our solidarity. We're here to show our respect for all women who have a case. When we talk about process and due process and justice, it, ne- it must center on the victim. I just want to say to the men of this country, just shut up and step up. Do the right thing. Oh, where are the I believers now talking about Andrew Cuomo rushing to judgment in his case? Well, all I hear are crickets. That's all I hear. Andrew Cuomo, he actually was an I believer too. Listen. There is a disrespect for women that this administration chronically uh, exemplifies. After the Me Too movement, they did absolutely nothing when it came to sexual harassment. Uh, They have always diminished the charges of women. Always, consistently. And they're doing it again. To cheapen or ridicule the pain a woman suffers from a sexual attack uh, is disgusting. Sexist and disgusting. Uh, To second guess how a woman should have acted after a sexual attack is sexist and disgusting. Uh, I mean, it's just insensitive. You don't understand the pain. You don't understand how the system tortures a person who wants to come forward. Oh, the I Believer Caucus, Joe Contra, Fox News contributor, columnist for The Hill. Pretty amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's like, here, let me let me hand you, Joe, a softball that you can just swing as hard as you possibly can at and knock it out of the park. And now a fastball should be delivered, or maybe more of like a Mariana Rivera cutter, as far as playing back that quote for Andrew Cuomo the next time he takes questions from any reporter and saying, Hey, you still believe this? You still believe that Brett Kavanaugh should take a lie detector test? Because if you do or did, then you should be taking a lie detector test right now as far as these allegations. And by the way, with Kavanaugh, we were talking about people from, what, 40 years ago as far as these allegations that completely couldn't be verified in any way, shape, or form. This is a senior aide to Cuomo in recent times and should take it should be taken very seriously. But I don't hear uh, Jen Psaki being asked about this. I don't hear Kamala Harris being asked about it because she basically doesn't take questions. You never see the person. Uh, and obviously uh, Joe Biden as well. So, yeah, every Democrat out there, particularly female Democratic lawmakers, should be asked about Cuomo and asked if they defend him or they defend his aide. And I'd like to see what those answers sound right because it's going to be a Thousand Island dressing word salad. So, but the, there's something even more sinister here. Here is and that we're dealing with a very very important topic right okay uh, I'm a I'm a dad I have a daughter I have sisters my mother's gone but 
Obviously, I had a mother like everybody else. And the, and the point is here that, yeah, everybody needs to take these these allegations and given seriously. But there is but there, there really isn't concern over the issue. And it's so highly politicized by the left that they rush to judgment. They only believe accusers that go after Republicans like I would bet most people except a talk radio audience or people that watch Hannity or a few of us on Fox, not everybody on Fox, but a few of us, uh, they would probably know and recognize the name Tara Reid, who made allegations against Joe Biden. I think some of this audience would remember us playing the video of these very creepy, touchy-feely moments of, of Joe Biden. They happened frequently. To the point where eventually you have to apologize. I'm just a warm, lovable, touchy-feely person. Now, it kind of creeped me out when I saw the videos. But the point is, they don't care about the issue, Joe. They only care about bludgeoning people with the issue. Weaponizing the issue, right? And we, we talked about this a couple of years ago when the Me Too movement first started. And I, I, I said to you, and Media Matters did this whole like hit piece on both of us, and said, I said, I'm, I'm afraid that this is going to get weaponized by... Uh, by any party, quite frankly. You want to take anybody who's in a position to go to a more powerful place, it's almost guaranteed now you're going to be accused of sexual harassment by somebody from your past, right? And Because you can't disprove a negative. It's easy to put the allegation out there, and the allegation always travels a thousand times faster than the exoneration, if that even comes at all. So, yeah, look, I believe in due process for Andrew Cuomo, just like you said. He deserves uh, his right uh, to a free and fair trial. But it's in, in these situations, it's almost you're guilty until proven innocent. And, look, he's got bigger bigger problems on his plate anyway when you talk about the fact that an FBI investigation is a nursing home scandal, when you talk about the New York Attorney General, who is a Democrat, by the way, uh, looking into, obviously, that nursing home cover-up as well as far as thousands of deaths not being reported per his own aide who said that. She literally admitted to a cover-up. We were afraid well, if we gave it to the Justice Well, these are aides making these allegations, too. And by the way, they're not anonymous hearsay whistleblowers. They're real people. Yeah, and then you got Alexandria Ocasio Cortez calling for an investigation as a nursing home scandal. You got De Blasio, who you know I have a feeling they don't like each other too much. I'd love to see like a Big Brother. Gee, that's down. that's that's a Fox News alert. They don't like each other, Comrade De Blasio and and Andrew Cuomo. No, they don't. Yeah. Call me Captain Obvious, right? But he's calling for an investigation as well. Then you got this assemblyman, Ron Kim, who says that Cuomo's bullied him, has the receipts apparently and voicemails and phone calls. So this is, to your point exactly, this isn't Republicans going after Cuomo because it really wouldn't be a story, right? But this is from his own party or for Newsom. It's his own party. Democrats turning on Democrats and now we're even seeing it with Joe Biden as well as far as these serious strikes are concerned, right? And, and a lot of other things that he is doing that is really making the AOC wing not too happy. So, uh, Already, this is a presidency that's off to a rocky start, and some of the brightest stars in the Democratic Party on the governor's side, uh, they're having a really big problem, while Ron DeSantis uh, can do no wrong, quite frankly, in Florida, and I think he's a serious 2024 contender if Donald Trump doesn't run. You know, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, CPAC is going on. The president's going to speak on, on Sunday. That should be interesting to watch. Um, with the Republicans being so close, so you got this COVID bill tonight, and we've gone over it and over it and over it again, and 9% of the monies are actually going to be used for COVID relief, and then you've got this liberal socialist utopia dream list that they're putting into place, followed by a lot of the monies earmarked down the line, and of course they tried to get the minimum wage increase snuck into the bill. The Senate parliamentarian, I believe, said, no, that's not going to happen here, and the question is, is really Republicans don't have a lot of a, a, a lot of power to fight back on this. 
No. And you think about why they don't. It came down to November election night, and uh, it was Purdue down in, in Georgia. And if you got three-tenths of a percentage more of the vote, then we're not talking about a uh, majority leader, Schumer, right, and Democrats controlling that chamber. I mean, that's, how, that's how close that came, and that's how important that January election was. But, yeah, 9% of a $2 trillion bill going to COVID. It's just remarkable that they're getting away with this somehow. And it reminds me a lot, actually, of the, I remember the Obama Recovery Act in this first year. And that pulled really high. And then when people look back on it now, they say, wow, that thing was just full of basically crap. There was just, it was all pork, right? It didn't really do anything to, to, to help the economy. I have a feeling that when people look back on this, when we hit those 2022 elections, they're going to see this COVID bill and say, wait a minute, almost none of it went towards the things they said it would. And I don't see any improvement in my life. So, yeah, this is going to come back to bite them big time. They make it a victory here, so to speak, but they had to do it on, a, you know, obviously not working with Republicans. And by doing that, you're only going to anger uh, that Republican base that much more going into those elections. And Donald Trump's going to play a big role as far as getting the vote out there. Can I, can I share with you, by the way, uh, a neighbor told me a little bit of, <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to say. Yeah, they can share theory, anything but... you want. Go ahead. Okay. What did your neighbor right. say? He said, he, he said, Joe, I mean, he watches you all the time. Yeah, you're great on Hannity. I'm walking the dog. He's walking the dog. And he says, did you hear that Trump's going to run for Congress? I go, get out of here. <laughs> the president of the United States doesn't go run for Congress right. after he leaves office. Somebody goes, actually oh, wait, called wait, the program and what said that. that. Uh, maybe he did. <laughs> but uh, he's going to run for Congress, and then he's going to win. He's going to run in Florida, and then they're going to name him Speaker of the House, and then he's going to impeach Biden. And by the time he was done saying this, I go, wow, that actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I kind of bought into that. That's not happening, Sean, right? You, you have some inroads. Uh, with no, the, uh, I don't. I, no, I wouldn't anticipate that. No, Donald Trump's not going to be running for Congress. Look, it's a very interesting question whether uh, he w- look, everyone's going to be paying attention on Sunday. Do I think he's going to announce his future plans? I do not. All right. On this uh, Friday, let's get to our busy telephones. Many of you are very patient here today. We'll take calls all throughout the uh, rest of the program today. Uh, South Carolina, Stacy, you're up. You're on the Sean Hannity show. Glad you called. Thanks for having, taking my call, Sean. So I just want to weigh in real quick about one thing. And, you know, the one thing that the Democrats seem to do very well is good, better, and different. They stick together. And no matter what. And I think, you know, the Republicans need to start taking some pages from that playbook. You know, it, it, except for the, the exceptions of Cuomo right now, you start to see where they're starting to turn on each other because, well, they don't have Trump to pick on anymore. Well, I, I, first of all, I agree with you 100%. And, and I'm not a big fan of weak, timid, feckless, visionless Republicans. I, I, I want those bold, colored differences. And I, I look, the agenda is what the agenda is. Conservatism works. It should be advocated. It's not hard to articulate. Um, I think one of the reasons, this is my speculation, that Mitch McConnell, you know, was on Fox News, I'm uh, sorry, on uh the Fox report with Brett Baer last night and said he'd absolutely back Trump if he's the nominee in 2024 is I think because Mitch McConnell recognizes this is where the base of the party is lower taxes. We want law and order. We want safer schools. We want school choice. We want less bureaucracy. We want constitutional justices, secure borders, energy independence. Um, These are not complicated issues. Peace through strength and free and fair trade. It's not hard. What, What part of that agenda should anyone disagree with if you're a Republican or a conservative? You tell me, Stacey. 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, the fabulous Dan Bongino, it just, he said it best and it just resonates with me. You know, I thought I said it best. Why is Dan always got credit? That's not fair. I'm kidding. Now, on, this, on this specific issue, Dan said it best. Republicans are sometimes Democrats, but Democrats are never Republicans. He's right. And, and you're right, too. And he's absolutely it, right. And it just, it just resonated with me that, you know, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, I, I absolutely love her because she just stands for what she believes in in a conservative value, and she's unapologetic. And I don't and, know anything and, about and, her. Some know, of her views were a little nutty, you got to admit. Well, they are a little nutty, but at the end of the day, much like... She, she explained them. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give her a second chance, I, but I give Democrats a second chance. They never give us one, though, you know, when no, they misspeak. No, you're very right. All right, but I got to run, but Stacy, God bless you. Ha, listen, have a great weekend. I'm sure you're going to be watching CPAC on uh, Sunday. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Quick break, right back. We'll continue. Your calls, other side. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Straight to your busy calls on this Friday, and so glad you could be with us. Wendy is in Florida. Hey, Wendy, I'd like to first give you credit for being a hell of a lot smarter than me and my entire team that I keep prisoners here in New York because you don't pay state income taxes and you have much better weather. Glad you called. Thank you for taking my call, Sean. Um, it's a pleasure to talk with you. We opened our restaurant in September and signed a lease in June of 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, when restaurants unfortunately were closing, bars were closing, and we had an opportunity and we took a risk and it's paying off. People are so happy that we opened. Um, the community is amazing where we live. Uh, people come in all the time. Our business is growing. We're just so fortunate to have an amazing governor in DeSantis, where he is such a you know true believer in small business and trying to keep I, I love open. restaurant owners uh, you now tell me what kind of restaurant it is well it's a, it's an American classic restaurant with a Belgian cuisine twist we okay. have like what kind of, of food do you serve features. what do you um, serve we have uh, we have everything from uh, Philly cheesesteaks to rice bowls Oh, vegetarian man. options but yeah oh, we also that's do a Hannity of... place oh keep going keep <laughs> you, going I'm hungry you go you would love it we do a lot of like different Belgian type uh, items where we have like Belgian waffles with homemade chicken and pork belly on top with syrup oh over gosh. it yeah it's this delicious. is this is a this is a Hannity restaurant I would I, I'd <laughs> love to go to your place I want to be a regular customer where in Florida are you we're in Clearwater Florida and, I got to uh, move. What's the name of your well, first? Give the name of your business. Let's plug your business. You deserve it. Oh, thank you, Sean. It's called the Outpost Six One One Eatery and Tap House, mm -hmm. and we feature a lot of different Belgian beers and German beers. We were a beer distributorship before this, and sold it, and we're lucky we did. But now we're featuring all these beers, and we're doing a beer school where we can teach people all about the beers. And we also have a beer, uh, Belgian chocolate bar so that you can have chocolates and charcuterie boards with all your different meals and your desserts with your uh, beers. So it's wonderful. We have outdoor seating, indoor seating. We, of course, uh, go by all the guidelines. Man. We wear our masks. You know, we sanitize everything. But last night we had a party of 30 outside. Today mm -hmm. we had all kinds of realtors having a meeting, and they're telling us how many people are moving to Florida. Oh, it's crazy. I've been looking at real estate every day. I look every day. Wow. 
Let me, let me just say this. So I have all my friends that, well, the food sounds phenomenal. That's I okay. love Philly cheesesteaks. You have no idea. I, I would go out of my way if you have a good Philly cheesesteak regularly. But, but like, I, my, my buddies drink IPA, you know, all these different beers. Uh-huh. I'm not the big beer connoisseur, and my friends laugh at me because I put ice in my beer because it can't get cold enough for me. <laughs> and it's either, you know, Perone or Coors Light or Bud Light, and I'm, I'm happy and I'm good to go, and they think I'm just a loser, uh, which, oh, by God. the way, they might not be wrong about. Um, but I will say this. So uh, our friend of this program, Matt Towery, I'm going to tell him about your restaurant because he, he lives in the area where you are. Oh, and I hate him because every oh. night, Linda, tell me if it's true or not. He's at the early bird special at some restaurant all throughout COVID and with mm-hmm, no risk yeah. of ever getting COVID. And it, and right. it, the restaurants, thank God, stayed open the whole time. Yeah. And yep, and DeSantis yep. did a great job for you down there. Thank God he oh. did. And because I'm going to tell you something, you you know, by the time you pay your rent or pay your mortgage, whatever, for, for your restaurant, by the time you build mm-hmm. out your restaurant and put the tables mm-hmm. and chairs and build the bar and stock the bar and then you you got to buy all the food and some of the food goes mm-hmm. bad and then you got to hire the waiters and waitresses and bartenders mm-hmm. and and custodians and and you know as the chef the cook the dishwasher it gets expensive right. and there's yep. only so much no matter how great for most people there's a limit on how much they'll pay yep. for a cheesesteak not me i'll pay mm-hmm. the price i'm gonna pay the freight because yep. you know i am all consumed by food because i'm always dieting and Aww. it's just such a hard business that i worked in for 10 years of my life and my dad worked mm-hmm. as a waiter on weekends to make extra money and I have so much respect for people because you put it all in the line. And in your business, you have the tiniest of margins. Tiny. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's tiny. True. And and that's why these restaurants are dead up here. They're boarded yeah. up. They're closed down. They're never going to reopen. And people's dreams were shattered up here because of the draconian shutdowns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And my whole family is from New York, Sean. So um, I grew up in Rockland County and my mom was born and raised in uh, Washington Heights. So I'm very familiar. We're up there every summer. And this last summer, of course, we didn't come up. And all my relatives that are still up there and in Brooklyn and in the city, they they tell us how bad it is and everything's shut down. And we just feel awful because we're we're living life in Florida. We're, we're being very careful, but we're out. We're, we're going to school. We're going to restaurants. The, well, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to put you on hold. And I'm glad you're okay. telling us all of this. Linda, make sure you get Wendy's restaurant name and number because I have a group of friends of mine I, I'm not able to join that are going Should I be down... asking for a food care package or to be sent to New York uh, tonight? No, 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 no. I'm not asking for anything. No, what are you, come on. Because it sounded like you were asking for something. No, I'm not asking for me, but I have friends of mine that invited you got dry me ice, to go Wendy, with you're gonna them need a lot of it. down yes. to and a lot that of salt. area of Florida. Yeah. I can't I can't make it as usual because I'm a loser yeah. and I work 24 Aww. hours a day, but um, I'm going to make work. sure that they stop in and say hello and uh, and and go to your place, okay? Oh, thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. And we appreciate you oh, telling everybody you. and informing everyone all day. So thank you. Uh, no, you, you, you know what? We're all spokes in a wheel. We, we just, yeah. we understand how important right, right now this mm-hmm. moment for this country is. And everybody yeah, understands that true. they're a spoke. And that what they do and how we behave and what we believe in will have an impact and matter 
as as united conservatives and keep it simple, we we're, we're going to win. There is a path to victory and and getting this country back on track. And that's what we got to be hoping for. Anyway, all the best. Thank you, Wendy. Uh, Virginia Crystal next. Sean Hannity show. Glad you called. Yeah, I immigrated to the United States back in 1969. So I'm one of these legal people that I hear. Welcome aboard. I I don't care where you come from. As long as you're a member of our family, you're an American. Thank you for being here. It took me 15 years to become an American. But anyway, before I even got here, I had to go. I was so scrutinized, it was almost embarrassing. And it was all out-of-pocket expense for me. I had to land in Miami with a giant uh, x-ray of my lungs to prove that I was clean and clear and I had no diseases and nothing else. And so then I got, I was the only immigrant at that time. I got pulled out of the plane in Nassau and, again, had to be scrutinized all over. And I made it to Los Angeles. I, I was surrounded by people who were here illegally, and they were having the better cars or the car. I didn't have a car. I had to walk everywhere. And they had the TV that I didn't have, and they had all the money, whereas, you know, one time I was missing 75 cents because my neighbor stole it from me, and I went back to the store to have them count out the register. So I've never had the opportunity that anybody that got here illegally, no matter when that was, and particularly now, I never got that. I had to work for every penny that I needed to turn. And then when I finally decided to become a citizen, I sat in a room down in Los Angeles and with, with lots of people around me, and lots of them were from, we were all from different countries. The end result, after I spent a whole day there for my interview, two years later I found out that that interview gave me tuberculosis. Wow. So thank you, I got tuberculosis. But now I can never be tested for anything like that. To me, it is absolutely frustrating, and I'm, I'm very passionate about that that people can come here and be here illegally and get amnesty after a certain period of time. And in the meantime, they get Section 8, they get food stamps, they work under the table, they pay no taxes, their kids get first consideration because of their last name. And, you know, and I'm always at the end of the line. So after I've had all of my children, one of my daughters married a a man with a Latino background, and I told her, I said, by all means, take advantage of that name, because otherwise you'll be always at the end. And that, to me, is, is an abomination. It really is. On top of that, about 15 years ago, my sister and my brother-in-law wanted to immigrate here. Now, these are people who were self-sufficient. They had plenty of money and all that. So we started the family reunification process which, again, was not cheap. There were lots of attorney fees and filing fees. Every time you file a fee with the immigration, it's around $500. And so they were on the waiting list, and they were taking care of all their business back in Germany. And then Obama got into, into the administration and decided with all the DACA people that no immigrants would come in. Now, my sister and brother-in-law were at the time already in their early 50s. Crystal, okay. only because it's constraints of time. Quick, this is my bottom line question. Was it worth it? Was everything worth it? And do you want everyone else to go through the same process you did? I want everybody to go through the same process that I did, but sometimes I question whether it was worth it. 
We need a culture of free speech in America. Now, when big tech and big government team up, America starts to look more like China. And the Chimerica dream is shamefully a nightmare for our people. All technology means is doing more with less. When big government fuses with big tech, government only becomes more efficient at acquiring and centralizing power. Tyranny with greater ease and lower cost. You will get nothing from these conformist lemmings on the left and these media buffoons who are the useful idiots of our time. You will get nothing from them. Expect nothing and you will never, ever be disappointed. Ever. I saw someone told me Acosta was running around here. You expect him to tell you, I don't even know this guy, don't even care. You expect them at CNN to tell you the truth? This, this is hilarious. They want Fox deplatformed for, get a load of this one. This is like, this is joke time, okay? They want for disinformation. Fox. They want Fox deplatformed. That's the pee-pee tape network. They promoted the pee-pee hoax. The collusion. They want Fox deplatformed. Are you kidding? Like, New York is like, a bad ex-husband. Mean, won't let you go out to dinner. You're less safe, financially spiraling downward, and they may kill your grandparents. Now the fake news media and their allies in Silicon Valley made Governor Cuomo out to be some iconic cross between King David and Tom Brady. What a big lie that turned out to be. According to former aides, Governor Cuomo was offering to replace staff meetings with strip poker. Meanwhile, they were stripping Granny out of the COVID ward at the hospital and tossing her in the nursing home just enough time to infect everybody and then go back to the hospital so that deaths could be recategorized for politics. How about freedom for young and healthy people, learning for students, opportunity for entrepreneurs? How about we ditch the lockdown governors like Cuomo and Newsom and Murphy and never ditch the American way of life and the American spirit? Ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to go down, then we're going to go down fighting. You want to cancel us off Twitter? We'll start Parlor. You want to cancel Parlor? I'll start Parlor 2. You want to cancel Parlor 2? I'll start another platform after that. You want to dump a server farm? I'll buy a server farm. You want to shut down a cloud support? I'll start a cloud company too. You want to do DDoS stuff? What do you want? Anybody? I'll do it all. Payment processors. I'll start a bank with you if you want. I will start a whatever you want. If we have to split this country's economy in half because we will speak and we will not be silenced, then damn it, we will do it in this room with the real misfits and renegades sitting in this room right now. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. A big Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, Fox News. Yeah, anticlimactic. Uh, the non-COVID emergency relief bill passing. Uh, yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, Matt Gates will join us. Pete Hegseth, Matt Slap, Dave Bossy, uh, Miranda Devine, Joe Concha, Lara Logan, Steve Scalise. News you won't get from the mob. We'll see you tonight at 9. We'll see you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend, and as always... Thank you for being with us.